are these people that take their time out of their day to write these cringy trolly comments they're just people who just like ain't got shit to do so they're they're not even people you should even worry about like they're just doing it on purpose just to like fuck with you i you like to I mean? comment back and write yo i'm gonna beat you up because <laughs> i bet i could i bet i could probably you unless can be, it, beat, a, beat a 12 year old up. i can probably be a 12 year old you think up. so if they're 12 yeah i can kick their ass all right Hey, what's up? Welcome to This Is A Real Podcast. I'm Alexi. And I'm Chris. And we are back for another one. Episode six, we're still going strong. We're going to get to double digits. I guarantee it. It's going to happen. Hey, man, you have a lot of faith. You, I, you're going to push through. You're going to make sure it look, happens. even if it's just me talking for the last, like, four of these, I'm going to get this thing to double digits. It's I mean, that's pretty happen. much how it's been. Look, we, uh, guys, we're back. We're here with episode six. If you don't, I'm just going to go ahead, selfless, selfless plug, selfish plug. I don't even know what to call it, but we're going to go ahead and plug our social media shit it's not something that i'm very good at i don't know if it's something you're very good at not i don't even follow us on social media i I don't either and i don't think we've posted a single thing but you know where we do post is on tiktok we have the shishkin productions tiktok page if you are uh, looking to gain any sort of post-production knowledge these are little one minute long videos that you know they'll teach you some stuff about post and they'll also just teach you some stuff about uh, filmmaking in general yeah there's some really good content on there we talk about aspect ratios and sound design you know yeah, yeah really selling it hard yeah. <laughs> we're talking about <laughs> aspect ratios that's what we do it's it, it's a little more interesting than that but that's that's the tiktok and then if you guys want to follow the podcast uh sizzle real gang on instagram and on twitter a uh, whole zero posts three followers we're fucking killing it right now um but all that aside, uh, I have, speaking of TikTok, I have been working on these TikTok videos. That is really what I have been spending, I would say, a good chunk of this week doing. Yeah, pretty much the entire last week. I've been, I've been manning the edits and you've been, you've been educating people on TikTok. I've been educating TikTok. people. I'm trying to keep the children educated. I want them to know that, guys, there's more than one aspect ratio out there, you know? I mean, you, you told people about the whole history of it in 60 That's seconds. True. That's true. I did. I did try to teach them that. Another thing I tried to teach them was how to make a calendar. That's important. Post calendars are extremely important. That, that's how I know what I'm doing. Have next you made week. a calendar before? No, I follow the calendars that you make. Wow. You need to make, you know what? Next time you'll make a calendar. Okay. All right. Yeah. You make a calendar and then we'll see uh, how it works out. We'll see if you can stick to it. I can tell you right now. I don't stick to mine ever. You know, I've been trying really hard on the project we're working on now to stick to it. Even when I get ahead a little bit, I, I try not to try not to get too far ahead. I try, <laughs> I try to stick to what I'm doing because, look, I, I mean, it, it complicates everything. You know, if everyone's on the same page, they got the same same little boxes and everyone knows knows yeah. what's happening that day. Yes. It makes things so much easier. Right. Don't get too far ahead. Right? Yeah, it's true, though. It's true. That's hilarious. So you're saying that you'll get to you'll finish something and then you won't send it until later. What do you you take an extra day? How, how, how far ahead do you not get? Does no, that make sense? I, I think it's more of a. A situation where if I'm way ahead, I just start double and triple checking and, and trying to up level the video in any way I can. And then I get I get okay. real, you know, particular about the edit and start overthinking it. But at least I'm the one overthinking it and okay. not sending it off to someone else. So they have two days to overthink it. That's true. That's a, that's actually very true. You know what I end up doing? I uh, 
if I get ahead on something, I don't, I'm not going to even pretend that I spend time looking at it again. I'll like, uh, I'll go for a walk. I'll go record another TikTok. You know what I mean? But I like to send it. I'll send it off. You know what I mean? I'll send it off. I'm not going to not send it off. You know, I have gotten in the situation though in the past, especially when I was younger, I would get into a thing where we, I'd be like, yeah, I'll have it done in three days. Then I'd get it done in two days. And one time they were like, we don't need you tomorrow. You're good. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then uh, I lost a day and I lost the day of, of pay. And I was like, well, that, that sucks. You get punished for, for being good. Yeah. My landlord was like, where's the rent? And I was like, I can give you two thirds of it, but <laughs> dude, I'm such a good editor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know, man. I, um, I, I gotta say, yeah, the post calendars have been useful. Uh, the post calendars, uh, have, have mostly been followed this month. I would say, uh, there is one project in particular that has just been dragging and dragging and dragging on because clients be out here not giving feedback in uh, the times that are allotted. They'll take like four days to give feedback when they should be giving it in one. Yeah, maybe that's a situation where not not in, in this particular project. It's not that you were ahead, but you know, in that situation, maybe you would send it off early when you know that feedback takes a long yeah. time to get back. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 pretty bizarre. I like those. Um, I, I like those uh, like weekly projects where like you do one and then you kind of establish a groove and then you fall into it and then everyone kind of knows how things work. Once like it's not a one off project, once it's like a recurring thing, people Episodic. start to yeah, people start to kind of get in the flow and it starts to groove better. You know? Yeah, that's how I feel right now. I'm I'm in like episode three of you know, a project like that. And it's, it's starting to feel a whole lot better. Like it gets smoother with every, every pass. That's right. You're, I, f I forgot you're working on the, uh, the sneaker project. It's what is it? The flip, right? The flip yeah, in, in the nose, the flip in the nose, the flip with Rax Hogan. Chris is becoming a sneakerhead. Everybody it's happening. You know what Chris said the other day? He said, you know, when this project's done, I'm gonna buy myself some sneakers. I am. I am. I and don't know. I'll go with some, some Jordan ones, maybe Jordan ones, classic. He's going for some classic Jordan ones. I thought you were going to go for, um, the, uh, you know, uh, Converse's or something. Chuck Taylor's. Yeah, you know? I think Chuck Taylor's are probably the only basketball shoes I've ever owned in my entire life. <laughs> very, if you even want to call generous. them that. Yeah, very yeah. generous call to basketball <laughs> shoes. Um, no, it, it seems like a fun show. I haven't, I, I touched it for episode one. I kind of got it set up a little bit and then you kind of took the reins from there. How have you been finding it? Is it, is it pretty fun? Is it pretty chill? It's pretty fun. It's, uh, educational to me in a way because i don't know a whole lot about sneakers but the host is a lot of fun he you know he every week he tells you what sneakers are going to be worth more money what's going to stay even what's going to be worth less but i because i didn't know much about sneakers i'm learning something new every week i didn't know about the different styles of jordans i didn't know that they're they're up to the 35s yeah center going double ass in these streets <laughs> Wow. The center of gravity going double ass in these proverbial streets. I look for me, uh, I had the same experience actually with sneakers when I started working on sneaker shopping, not that I work on, that's ridiculous to say I work on it. Cause I really don't, I've done like what, like five or six episodes probably. But, um, when I first started that show and then other shit at complex too, like soul origin, stuff like that, I started to learn more and more about sneakers and I was like, damn, this actually is an art form. This it, is really cool. It's a whole universe out it, there. It is. It is. It's, it's, and like to me, what's cool about it is the, from a design sense, it's really interesting. You know, it's not just like, I don't know. When I, it's, it's hard to explain if when I wasn't 
told about it and, and, and like in educated on how it worked, I was just like, yeah, they're just shoes. Who cares? Exactly. And then when you learn about it, you're like, oh, actually, these are this is a kind of a crazy art form. Yeah, you, know? it's, it's, you get a whole new respect for the game. Yeah. And speaking of sneakers, folks, today we have our first guest ever in history. It's, uh, you know, I don't know how you want to be addressed. Mr. Vincent Alvarado. He's uh, he called himself before the podcast. He told us to introduce him as an ex ad executive. Uh, is that true, Vince? I don't know if that's Absol- absolutely. That's true. Um, ask about me on these streets. Yeah, he runs the uh, you run the train of thought Instagram page and he ha- he's out here uh, directing music videos and stuff like that, uh, formerly working in ads. Um, but I bring sneakers up because uh, we were talking about sneakers. I saw your eyes light up when Chris said he wanted Jordan ones. Yeah, um, sneaker culture and I go way back. I actually used to collect sneakers until I started freelancing because, you know, freelance life is a little different nowadays. You you flipped them all? Um, I actually probably have about 15 pairs in my apartment um, and I only wear maybe like two or three. Damn, Vince um, is a professional flipper too. That's true. Yeah, Vince, yeah. Uh, Vince, Vince sold like all of the furniture out of his living room <laughs> to make room for a pool table. He put a pool table in his fucking New York apartment, folks. This yes. is this is someone someone email him and tell and complain. It's called the Lounge at Club Three Six Eight. Look us up on Google. Wow. And uh, how are the reviews? Um, they're pretty good. I'm still waiting on Alexi's review, uh, his formal review. His, I, his is very verbal. But my, my, yeah, mine's verbal, and I, I do tell everyone how I feel. Yeah. It's, uh, I'd rather it be in writing. But you three know. stars, three yeah. stars, three stars, three three uh, stars because all three are for the company. The other two stars are the pool table itself sucks. The people are great. The company is amazing. When you go, you're like, this is fun. I'm having a great time. And then all the balls just roll off the pool table onto the floor, <laughs> and you're like, why is this thing so crooked? But, Damn, I haven't been. I haven't been invited yet. Uh, formal invite wow. uh, coming soon. All right, all right. Once we get all the furniture. Oh, oh yeah. You, we're you, adding. We're adding. <laughs> what have you been sleeping on the pool table? Uh, you got a little pillow on it? No, but we have some cool um little Christmas light looking sleeping. things. Hey, that's underneath fun. it. Yeah. Underneath it. Yeah. yeah. We have the Gen Z uh college. It's not the Christmas lights and during our time. It's like the little LED like fairy lights changing. Uh, you got a little oh, LED strip. Oh, that's yeah. nice. LED yeah, strip running, running around the room. Um, half the room because it doesn't extend. It's but like, it's in the top. It's it's up by the like by the seam kind of of the ceiling and the uh, wall. That's how you know I don't know shit about like contracting and building. I'm it's like, like is the it the seam of the. We have new bottom? lighting. We have new lighting since Alexi's been Which there. You need but to get, still waiting on a couple of stuff. You okay. need to get a some clear PVC pipe. I'm gonna swear to God, the same. The, I'm not fucking with you guys. Oh, for the uh, clear PVC cables? pipe and put it around. Put it so it's around the lights and then it'll diffuse the lights. So the lighting actually looks way better. Oh, I didn't just, even know there was clear PVC just pipe. Just a thought. Just a thought. Yeah, there's clear PVC yeah, pipe. Not cool. at Vince's house yet because he hasn't finished <laughs> the installation. We, we still need curtains and some art, but you know, the lounge is coming together slowly. Are you going to make like a promo video for the lounge or something? Yes. I feel like that's something you'd want to do. We're doing three of them. You're going to do three They've of already them? Been thought <laughs> out. Let's, can we hear the marketing plan? This yeah. is going to be out November something. Ninth? Ninth. Tenth. So hopefully we'll have the furniture in by then because you know how the. Are you um, willing to? To share the marketing plan with yeah. your videos go yeah, for yeah. it let's hear it. What um, you got? What's there's gonna be three up? individual clips it's the wow. lounge at club 368 which is wow. our apartment name <laughs> let's turn it to a plug um, for this damn. fucking fake bar <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! and uh we're gonna have three individual clips it's gonna be me and my roommate uh greg wesh shout out to greg wesh um one of them is gonna be a 70s version an 80s version and a 90s version and it's gonna That's- be kind of like those funny shitty promos that you see at like 
late night TV type of vibe. So it's mm. going to be funny, but it's also going to be fun. And, you know, I mean, you know, uh, winter's coming, right? So we can't really go out and do shit anyway. So that's the reason why we have the lounge anyway. So it's kind of, it's a, it's a little irrespensible, but all right. What, yeah, I was going to say, how are the COVID tests? Are you making people get COVID tests? What's going um, on? You we're keeping temp- temp- temperature checks? Uh, no, we're not really inviting up to people uh, oh, unless we okay. know them personally. So yeah. it's not going to be an open club thing. Understood. It's going to okay. be just a... You know, one-on-one, two-on-two games. Right, okay. You know, just so, because we can't go to the bars every week. That's uh, why we have yeah, it that uh, makes sense. set up. So. Ha- have you shot them yet? No, um, we're waiting on this pieces of furniture. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes down uh, to the furniture, dude. The yeah. furniture is key. Yeah, I mean, we got some uh, old fur coats for the 70s. And, you know, we'll add some, like, VHS filters and 80s glam titles. So you shit. really have been planning this thing out. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's, it's going to be one of those things where I'm older and I'm like, wow, I can't believe I had a pool table in my New York apartment and hear the dumbass videos that me and my roommate did to promote it. What else? What else you've been working on? You've been making some uh, any any like I know you do was it fashion stuff, photography stuff, stuff like that. Yeah, um, a lot of it's be uh, been a lot of behind the scenes things with different photographers and models that I've been working with. Um, some music video stuff, some influencer stuff, but everything's been kind of low key since uh, this whole pandemic thing started. So a lot of it is just you know little editing jobs here and there, minimal on the production side and more on the post production since you gotcha. know we're all kind of uh in purgatory when it comes to things going on. Hey, you guys are all in purgatory. I'm having a great time. Post production, we're we're having a great time. Yeah, we're, we're, we're like, hey, welcome to our normal flow of things. You know what I mean? I guess a lot more Zoom bullshit, but other than that, you know, it's you know, the, yeah, the Zoom stuff is fading a little bit. It's still around, yeah, but it's not like it was, you know, middle of summer. Yeah, I mean, I I would say it's just because. Well, no, there's still there's still a decent amount like the. Soccer stuff, the major league soccer stuff is just obviously it's soccer. You're not gonna play soccer on Zoom. And then the the flip thing that you're doing, there was a Zoom interview in the last one. That's true. That's true. They they interviewed some uh, some people we know out in New Jersey, and that was the best way to do it. Yeah. You, can't, you can't be having them come to Times Square in the empty the, ass complex offices. The, the, the 908 sneaker shop, <laughs> funniest connect too, because. The reason that that even happened, this is just speaks to like how how crazy the production world can be, right? Like, so one of the producers who we were, were working off working with on on this project for Blue Apron, he uh, him and I were talking on the phone, and um, he owns a sneakers shop in in New Jersey, right? Montclair in what Montclair, yeah, it's called Nine Hundred Eight. So he owns a sneaker store, and I I was telling him about this project that we're doing as a sneaker project, and he was like, "Oh, that's tight." And I was, he was like, "I own a sneaker shop." Oh, that's cool. I looked it up, and I was like, "Yo," I told the producer on the flip, I was like, "Yo, Brian Gustavo has a sneaker shop." He's like, "Oh, get me in touch, like, because we're looking for people to maybe interview on the show." Literally, the next episode, they get them on, and it becomes like the closing segment of the show, and you're just like. That's that's ridiculous. Like that just came out of nowhere. It just came out of talking. You know what I mean? That goes to show just how what a small world like production can be, you know? That's who you know. That's what they say, right? Yeah. It's like, I mean, I don't know. Have you ever experienced anything like that where it's like you kind of get something through someone that you know or, or uh, you know, you give someone a job because they happen to be right place, right time, anything like that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I've been freelancing, doing video shooting, editing for the past year since August. Um, and almost 100% of all my gigs have been through referrals, um, which is dope because I haven't even... 
you know, I've had this whole setup plan, Excel docs of all these companies I wanted to pitch to and all these people online and through Instagram. But luckily, like all my gigs literally have been one on one. I get assigned one gig through a referral, do a good job at that gig. They refer me to someone else or I keep doing work for them. And it's like literally like, um, how do you say it's like a six is it six degrees of separation? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Kevin Bacon. <clears throat> yeah, like six literally degrees all, of Kevin Bacon, baby. <laughs> all, all my gigs have been like through referrals, which is super dope. So I, I've been just very fortunate just to have a, a really good network. And, you know, they say if you do a good job, you know, they want you back. That means you've done an even better and job. You you grew your network through your time in marketing, right? Is that, is that correct? Yes, yes. So I, I've always kind of done video work on the side. Um, going way back all the way to college, you know, just having a camera and just posting content or sharing content. But as I started to kind of take this more seriously while I was working in advertising, I just built better relationships with the creatives on my team, whether it's the copywriters, art directors, creative directors. And then once I kind of made the jump, you know, I made some announcements through text saying, Hey, you know, I'm doing video work, blah, blah, blah. And then that's when they started putting me in touch with different people. Um, so definitely yeah, growing the network within advertising did help. Um, but also just, you know, letting people know that, you know, I do video work and if they need me, they could come find me. And even I've had gigs where I talk to someone and literally a year or two later, they hit me up for a gig and yeah. it just blows up from there. So, um, yeah, definitely about all who, who, you know, you know, your network definitely, yeah. uh, helps you. We're, we're actually in a similar situation where, uh, someone who, I used to work with at a production company called Whistle Sports. He has now moved on to a different company and uh, we might be working with them to do some uh, NFL football stuff. So I'm, I'm getting my moral, moral and ethical boundaries tested. But, you know, I'm going to do the NFL work, I think. Uh, I feel bad. I was always like, I'm not going to do NFL. I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to do this NFL shit. NFL used to used to be a favorite of mine when I was a kid, but. What you happened? Know. Dude, I don't know. I mean, it's just like oh, getting all the concussions and shit and people will die in and then they're racist. It's just like so much stuff. A little bit and racist. Very racist. They're terrible. But like, God damn, if the opportunity to make your own show, it's like, oh, no. Now we're getting into a crazy part where I'm like, how far do you push your moral and ethical boundaries? You know what I'm saying? Like real talk. How far do you push your moral and ethical boundaries to make something? Who Who knows? Right. Like. Yeah, I've I know I totally get what you mean. I know in advertising, uh, I got offered a gig or actually a job at this wedding agency, but it was to produce content for a tobacco company. Damn. And it was Ooh. for what do you call the little electronic jewel? E-cig? It was no. for jewel. What? It you could have been making wow. Jewel content? And this is when Jewel actually like first like popped up. So like bro, they were like looking for people. You could have secured the absolute bag. You could have I, been responsible for millions of nicotine addictions. I, I could have. And also like really cool like wire like wireless chargers or like magnetic things. Jewels are cool. They're kind of cool. Yeah, yeah man. I'm, I, I'm smoking like, cool. It's like what a robot would smoke. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, hey you know, when bro, I'm, can I bum a cig? <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those things, you know, like I remember I, I was taking like the first initial call on a cab. I was going somewhere, I think to dinner or something. And then, you know, she, she didn't tell me what the company was until the very end. And I'm like, oh, so what is it? And she's like, well, you know, just to let you know, it is a tobacco company. And I understand if you have, you know, anything against it. And I was just like, no. And then she said, jewel. And that's when like the whole like, 
teenager mm-hmm. popular thing started happening right. and I'm like there's no way I just told her politely I'm like you know what we don't even have to interview anymore with other rounds like I'm just not comfortable with this because yeah, yeah I could have been making more money right and I could have been on some pretty cool campaigns but I I'm just not a smoker and I just think that Kids yeah, are going to yeah. gravitate toward that content anyway, whether it is for adults or not. Right. And I don't want to have my conscience on that type of thing. So that makes sense. You know, money could get you a lot of things, but um, that's when that's back yeah. when you were living in Manhattan, right? No, that was here. I oh, was actually in Brooklyn. Oh, see, I yeah. thought it was Manhattan because the way you said I took a cab to dinner and I was like, uh, damn, that's some Manhattan <laughs> shit. Yeah, oh, it was so an Uber. There you go. That, that's when, uh, you know, making bank at that time, I just would not take the train or ride my bike. That was so. when you were still working in, in marketing, though, right? Yeah. Or that was like right at the end when you're about to switch. Right. Yeah. right. This is about a year and a half ago. Yeah. I took that call. Let me ask you a question. Okay. So I remember uh, a few episodes ago, uh, Chris and I were talking about barriers to entry uh, in, in the industry. And I remember you had mentioned that you wanted to talk about that, too. I feel like that's a pretty, pretty good, you know, move to talk about that. You got into into advertising. And I remember you saying that uh, for people who are not aware of Vince Puerto Rican. Right. But uh, when you you were saying that in that office, you kind of felt like, uh, you know, like not not at home you kind of felt maybe like like outcast or that it, it was mostly dominated by like rich white people right would uh how did you end up getting getting in to the industry at all and like what you know have you seen any steps taken to kind of you know make the environment more diverse and stuff like that Ooh, loaded um super loaded. I'd, I'd start off by saying i think this was a barrier entry even in i think college is where it started um you know went to an arts high school didn't even i majored in like they got arts high schools in ocala yeah they have one <laughs> magnet school damn that's crazy i don't yeah. know the new art was in ocala yeah. all right <laughs> shout out to ocala 352 what did you go there for uh i did drawing and painting there Damn. And then I did some video production, but it was mostly based on animation. So that's, that's where I was starting to use Premiere, like at its very early stages. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I didn't even plan on really being in corporate or business until I got into college. That was just more of a jump to say, hey, like a lot of my friends are artists. They're all going to SCAD or like Rhode Island or all these other schools. Mm-hmm. And I kind of know that the market isn't that pretty for artists, right? Like, yeah, you're not going to, I mean, it depends on who you are, but you're not going to be making bank yeah. coming out of college as a painter. I, ironic, right? ironic as hell. Cause like the shit you make is pretty, but then the market is not pretty, right? <laughs> not a pretty market right, right, or a sculptor, you know, like if I need to apply some sort of business, yeah sense to whatever I was studying in order to make money. Right. Right. In terms of that's how I was thinking. So I think in college, it was the first time that I really encountered, you know, rich people and affluent people and frat boys, frat boys, no, offense, Chris. no shade. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not <laughs> rich. I'm not affluent. Chris, yeah. Chris, Chris is the anti frat boy, frat boy. You know what I mean? Um, but Chris yeah. knows all the handshakes, but <laughs> no, I know a couple of them. Damn. There, you got your social handshake and then there's the super secret handshake. Oh, I know Ooh. the super secret handshake. I learned it. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. For all of them? Yeah, check it out. Yeah. Well, folks, we're doing the secret handshake right now. Don't, you're not going to be here. Is that it? Is that the one? <laughs> no, that ain't yeah, it. Nah, that, that's hands. a different handshake. That, that, I think that was Delta Ta Deltas. I think that's holding uh, hands. Is that good? I don't know. We knew we knew some people. We knew some people. Shit, I don't. Uh, no, I'm not a member of any fraternities. For the record, I didn't even know that was a real handshake. I was making shit up. Wait, but Vince, so yeah, so you uh, keep on with that. You yeah. Were- so that was the first time I actually, 
realized that I was one of the only minorities in like, like a classroom, right? Like in Ocala, the art school I went to was pretty diverse. I mean, in Florida, you know, you have a good mix of like people from the Caribbean, people from the Northeast, people from the South, mm-hmm. but at University of Florida, you know, money dictates a lot of things. And very fortunate that I was able to go in on scholarship and, um, you know, it was my dream school at the time and I was just very happy to be there. But that was the first time that I felt like, wow, I'm like one of the only brown kids in a classroom and I studied PR. That's what I graduated in mm-hmm. public relations and yeah. at the College of Journalism and Communications, predominantly white women. Right. Right. Or within the PR program itself. So that was already a barrier of entry. You know, I'm a guy and also I am not white. So I wonder wonder how many of those white women grew up to be Karens. A lot of them. You think a bunch? Oh, absolutely. You think a lot? A fuck ton. Mm, Damn. All right. I mean, look, if you went to, so you're saying you went to the school with the Karens. I'm glad, yes. you, I'm glad you got out without getting arrested. I mean, I, there's we could dive into that. I don't even want to. <laughs> I don't know if I want to. <laughs> we'll say that for the next episode. Yeah, That'll yeah. be part three. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, University of Florida, you know, that was like the first time that I actually saw these barriers of entry of like, wow, you know, you can take, you can get an unpaid internship and travel anywhere and get all this experience. Meanwhile, someone like myself, granted, I did unpaid internships, but like, my family's from New York, right? Like right. I stayed on my aunt's couch. I travel like 45 minutes to an hour just to go to Times Square for an underpaid internship. You know, yeah. like there's a lot of people who look like me and who grew up like me who couldn't afford an unpaid internship. Like if the mm-hmm. internship didn't pay, they wouldn't be getting the experience and they wouldn't be getting where, where I was going, you know? Right. So luckily I had that support. I mean, I have a really good family upbringing, you know, they really motivated me too. And I think that's also lacking in a lot of different minority populations, you know, like I was the first one in my family to go to college, Yeah. another barrier of entry. So when I'm telling my parents or relatives what I want to do or what I want to be, they either don't know what it is or they have no contacts. Yeah. Right. Like if you're coming from a family that, you know, your parents went to college or have business connects, that's right. like such an easy thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's to be like, oh, my son, he's studying marketing. So He'd it, love a job. Hey, if look, I'm, I, if I wanted to go into gymnastics, I would have had, I would have had <laughs> yeah. many opportunities. My parents, my, this, I don't know. I, have I even brought this up before? I don't think so. I'm so yeah. For anyone listening who doesn't know me, which is like zero people. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm Russia. I was born in Russia and my parents stereotypically work in gymnastics. So if I wanted a job in gymnastics, they could have pulled some strings, but it's the same thing. Like you were saying, Vince, if, I, if I told them when they were like, what do you do? My parents didn't even believe that I had a job for the first like four years. Out of, I was like, I was like, I edit videos and I am a freelancer. And they were like, what is a freelancer? That means you're unemployed. And I was like, I'm not unemployed. I just own like my own business. And they're like, no, get a job. And I was like, guys, you are small business owners. You own your own business. Why don't you want me to own my own business? But it's all coming from a place of, of caring. You know what I mean? They just want to succeed or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like, uh, you know, it's it, it it's I had this crazy thing where it was like, I can blend in at least, you know what I mean? I can blend in. I can be like the white dude walking around, but in reality, it's like, I wasn't even born here. (laughs) You know what I mean? mean? For to, to, to even that, that right there is going to just let all the sleeper cell jokes happen, man. That's the sleeper cell jokes. But so you, so you ended up from the internship, getting some, uh, getting into, getting into the actual job. Yeah. So I, I took a number of internships. Um, and I knew my dream at the time was to work in sports, sports PR. And I hustled at UF. Like I worked with the basketball team, with the football team, 
Um, back then, they called it an SID, a sports information director. So I would work with sports information directors, which were like basically the PR people of the college teams. You ever seen Ice Age? Uh, yes, the first one. They had the SID in that in Ice Age. It was, oh uh, yeah, yeah. You remember that? Sid, that was, was a real was motherfucker. It the yeah, it's like a no, no. Nah, he was, was it's, like a squirrel. It's John, John Leguizamo's character. Yeah, what that, was it? Wasn't a squirrel? Uh, like no, nah, he's like a weasel. I don't know. Weasel, some sort of weasel. Yeah, I don't know. That was Sid. Sid is a fucking G though. Sid. Sid's like one of the best. So you were trying to be not. You weren't trying to be Sid though. You wanted to to do the sports thing. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to do the sports thing. So luckily, having you know the unpaid internship experience um having the sports uh experience i was able to very luckily get this internship with the orlando magic at the time and again seeing barriers of entry again i was one of the only hispanics there um and it's funny because you think orlando right like orlando like i always joke around and say um Orlando's the second biggest city in Puerto Rico. Right? Damn. <laughs> I didn't know um, that. In Kissimmee, you know, so it, it was just different going from the college level of being minority to then the corporate level and seeing how that leveled out. And then even moving to New York, you know, one of the most diverse cities in the world. And you step into an advertising company or marketing company and you're still one of the only minorities. You're like, how does this company that's based in the heart of this diverse city not reflect the diversity yeah. of the city, right? Yeah. And, and a perfect example, I remember when I worked at this one media company down, uh, in Soho, um, it was connected to a SUNY campus, mm-hmm. C- C-U-N-Y, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, we were on the top floor, our company. So as you go in the elevator, it's crowded with all these college kids, very ethnically diverse. Mm-hmm. And the further you go up on the elevator, the more wider it gets because all the college kids Damn. are getting off the elevator. And so by the time I got off the top elevator, I was like the top floor. I was like one of the only that's like brown a, kids there and i was like wow this is like an allegory for like yeah. how the u.s is and was, how you move up i was saying that would be a cool scene in like a film <laughs> like it just to you know you could put like that's like awesome symbolism type shit that's that's pretty wild yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was uh when was that this would that was my second uh company that i worked at in uh advertising marketing but what what, what year was that that was around 2014 2015 damn so not not that long ago not that long ago that's pretty well you think it's gotten better you think it's getting better i think it's getting better i would say that you're sitting here with two white dudes so (laughs) right Right, exactly (laughs) i would say this i all the opportunities that i've gotten um primarily have been through other ethnically diverse uh, professionals um especially my first job that i got in post-college in new york um and i think it's all about just you know uh, watching your fellow person and helping others succeed and just realizing that diversity is powerful and important. And especially if you're working in a creative field or marketing advertising, like that's so key. And I think that lends itself to see, to know that all the content, a lot of the content that we see or things that are commercialized is just whack as fuck because you have very homogenous thinking when it comes to creating the content or approving the content. And it just sucks that the reason why it gets to that point is because again, with the upbringing, right? Like the connects, the unpaid internships, the colleges, like those are all the barriers of entry that it's just, you know, I I was luckily enough to get through those points, but there's so many other uh, former student or former colleagues of mine or people I went to school with who just never got that far up because of those barriers. So, yeah, I think, um, it's, I don't know. I like when I have to hire a freelancer or some shit, I, I always, try to at least like like make an effort you know what i mean to to hire diverse candidates 
and I don't know. I mean, I think I, I think I do a decent job. Like, I guess Chris and Mike Bliss are the only two white dudes who I hire besides yeah. myself. But yeah. you know, uh, it's weird. I mean, I've straight up. I've been in situations where like this. It happened this week actually, where I was like, man, I have a friend of mine who I could bring in to do this, but. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to reach out first to a couple people who, you know, normally like who, yeah, I've never worked with them before, but they're diverse candidates who would are on the same level. So it's not like we're taking a step back and plus I'm expanding the network. It's just, it's useful. Why, why not? You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, I think I like to think that making a, making a fucking effort, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Chris, you have you, what, what, what about you? How you had uh, some barriers to entry? It was it, but it was more, it was less, I guess, like, I mean, mine, wasn't, you're a white dude, too. So for yeah, you, it wasn't mine, like that. But no, nah, mine was more just like being a poor white dude. Mm-hmm. That's an, an economic barrier to entry. That's very real. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like we addressed it in, in a previous episode. I don't know. I don't even really remember, but I got the show notes so I can go back. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I had to take unpaid internships. I took like, which is bullshit, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. I had a couple of them and. Then, uh, you know, I, I worked in news for for $9 an hour, which was 25 cents above minimum wage. For, Damn, you for were like, killing it. Yeah, yeah, really, <laughs> really great stuff. I was 24 living with my grandparents, like, you know, Damn. and I had I had to do that for a couple of years before I could get full time. And like, that was my barrier. I was lucky that I had my grandparents and I had, you know, some sort of support within my family. Mm-hmm. But ultimately that, you know, I was a poor white kid. Yeah. I, I I couldn't imagine like how everything's teed like teed up how everything is just teed up if you're uh, if you come from like that sort of uh, rich background and stuff like that like you can probably just get whatever the hell you want you can just sure. be like yeah uh, I want to make a movie all right cool uh, you know your uncle will invest some money and blah blah invest some money and like you know your dad's friend has this company and they can invest some money because it's a tax loophole or some shit and the next thing you know you're like you know, 28 and you've already made a feature film without like actually working hard. Not, not to say that everyone who makes a feature film in their twenties is like that, but I bet that situation happens a lot. Yeah. A perfect example. Uh, I had an intern one year, um, and our internships, um, uh, over at the company I last worked at, they were all paid, which is, you know, pretty rare and they paid pretty well. Um, and our intern, you know, usually the interns come and the team takes them out for lunch and we get to know them. And, you know, as a group, we took our intern out and this person were like, Hey, so, you know, what are you studying in college? What do you hope to achieve? Whatever. And this person wasn't even studying marketing or advertising at a Damn. leading advertising marketing company in New York City. Um, this person just said, hey, you know, I'm just, I just wanted to take this internship because it seemed interesting and I don't know what I want to do. So maybe after this internship, I'll find out. You know, mm-hmm. affluent white woman, said her dad's a doctor, her apartment that she got just for the internship was like literally five blocks away from the company. That's so absurd. That's such a luxury to be able to just like take an internship. Like, yeah, I don't know what I want to do, but like, it's, it's, it doesn't matter because I have something to fall back on. I have yeah. a rich daddy. Like, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's weird though, Ben, because like, yeah, it is infuriating, but it, you can't like, I don't know. I feel like you can't get mad at the person, you know what I mean? I, I get mad at the system, you know, the system is what's fucked up because uh, that that chick who was the intern, she probably was was super chill. Like they wouldn't have they wouldn't have accepted her to be an intern at a fucking ad agency if she wasn't like at least kind of chill, kind of cool, hopefully. But, um, you know, the fact that like 
yeah, it is a little infuriating that that kind of thing can get through the system. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And yeah, her apartment was like in Hell's Kitchen, walking distance. And then the whole time, you know, they, the interns at the end of the year, like we never see the other interns, but they, they take a group picture and it was the same thing every year. You know, it's like, wow, where are all the people of color? Why aren't they in these yeah. group pictures? Yeah. And it turns out that each individual person has some sort of random connection to the company, mm-hmm. whether it's like a neighbor or a friend or whatever, golf course, whatever the hell. Yeah. And it, yeah, it, it pisses me off because it's like, there's so many black and brown kids that are studying advertising and marketing who are like really good students who really want to do well and who would love a paid internship right yeah and they they get they don't get those opportunities uh, yeah, because a lot of the time they don't have the access yeah they don't have the access it's and i, I think you know as you're mentioning about hiring other people of different backgrounds i think it just comes down to opportunity right like people, you know, if you give them the right opportunity, that's how people grow. You know, if you teach Mm -hmm. them things and you show them new ways of doing things, like all they need is the opportunity. And I think what's lacking in the industry is opportunity. So many people want to play it safe when it comes to things. They're always used to just going by the book or just doing things a certain way that they're, they're scared. Mm -hmm. They're scared to try new things. And I think one of those new things is just hiring people that don't look like you. You know what I think is, is is actually really useful these days and it's helping people get opportunities, especially get, helping young kids get opportunities is uh, social media. I'm a notorious social media Scrooge. I'm out here like, you know, I'm like, nah, social media is trash. It's, it's poisoning your brain. But it, it helps. It really does. There's so many talented young kids who can showcase their work, especially, you know, kids who are coming from different backgrounds, who are coming from less privileged backgrounds. Now, instead of being like, how the fuck do I show off my work or get my foot in the door somewhere talent wise, they can just blow up and they can their work can speak for itself and they can get their own following and then from there they're the boss of their destiny then brands are coming to them trying to get deals or or companies are coming to them trying to hire them so it's cool to see like the the whole you know the power structure gets subverted or whatever i think i think that that's really interesting that's something social media has done really well it's also fucked up all of our elections and it's out here brainwashing the poor people <laughs> yeah, to go for trump yeah, and all this shit but that's oh, a double-edged sword yeah it is a double-edged sword you know what i mean and look where's most of the work that we do where does it end up man i youtube exactly social media exactly. I, yeah, that's that's pretty, pretty much everything we do we have to pump out a one by one of it so yeah. so they can post on instagram dude this thing that you're doing right now you gotta pump out eight exports a week eight exports an episode <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's but, kind of insane but that's the thing is like it does end up on we literally are like social media like uh like not not harvesters but producers i got like we make things that end up on social well like, to be, and even like when you see your video that you edited on YouTube, at least for me, it doesn't do a whole lot. But when you're scrolling Does through Instagram, nothing is scrolling through Instagram and you see something that you edited. You're like, oh, damn, like this. This is going out to a lot of people. This is kind of cool. Damn. That's really how you feel. Yeah, it's ah, kind of neat, man. I don't like seeing them anywhere. <laughs> I don't. I No offense to. Sorry, clients, if you're listening to this. But, <laughs> I, I, but I like I don't like seeing them anywhere because I don't. It doesn't get my juices flowing. It doesn't get me going to see my shit on a small screen. I want to see it like somewhere big. Like that's what I want. I want to eventually do something that gets somewhere. You know what I mean? If we're talking art, if we're talking like just making money, I love the business of making social media videos for money. That's fun, you know, but making art, 
it's not it's not art you know what i mean yeah well i'm not looking at it from an art perspective i'm just thinking in terms of exposure it's cool that's true it's cool to me that i'm just like scrolling through my feed and i see something that i edited it's that's not true it's not cool when i go and look for it yeah then it's like eh, well I oh, I see what it. you're saying. Just randomly stumbling on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's true, actually. So, like, with the NHL stuff that we did, that, you know, they didn't start posting until maybe a week or two after we were done with, with the project. And that's when I first saw it. And I was like, oh, damn, this is really exciting. Like, yeah, that is cool. That is cool. And and those types of videos were nice because they got a lot of engagement. And so people weren't people. Those were like about the the product was key it wasn't the video behind it it was the product right so like hockey right yeah so people were engaging in the comments and talking about how awesome the because this was a fan choice awards was voting so people were talking about how awesome the candidates were oh i like this goal so much oh this dog this hockey player's dog is so funny but no one was out here hating on the video whereas on youtube i feel like Uh. literally all the comments are just Here's why the video sucked. You know what I mean? You're I literally, like, I literally had a video from last month. One of the YouTube comments was just, "This video is awful." I bet you came straight to the comments. I was like, "Oh, oh you're not God. wrong," but it doesn't feel good to read that shit. It doesn't feel good to read that shit at nah. all. Man. I, I feel like that comes to the territory because if we all remember when YouTube first came out, like that was like the funny thing, right? It was like, "Oh, read the comments. I wonder what someone wrote." So I feel like it's a, it's a plus or a minus. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, comes would, I love a good comment, but God damn, don't be a fucking wiener. <laughs> I mean, it's kids. A lot of times it's kids, right? Like if you really think, I remember there was a brand that I used to work on. And so I started off as a community manager. So I would like be the person that weeds out the comments and like send screenshots and shit to like the clients and stuff. Mm-hmm. And for one of our brands, people just like to troll the hell out of it. Yeah. And it'd be ridiculous. But then it's like, okay, Think about it. Who are these people that take their time out of their day to write these cringy, trolly comments? They're just people who just like ain't got shit to do. So they're they're not even people you should even worry about. Like they're just doing it on purpose just to like fuck with you. I you like to I mean? comment back and write, yo, I'm gonna beat you up. <laughs> Cause I bet I could. I bet I could. Probably. You Unless can beat, it, beat a 12 year old up. I can probably beat a 12 year old up. So? If, if they're like 14, that's where it starts being like, okay, maybe they could get me. Yeah. But if they're 12, yeah, I can kick their ass. All right. All right. I'll stand, I'll stand by it. You guys don't seem like you believe me, and I feel a little bit offended. I mean, the lunchroom meat that these kids eat, like, these kids look a lot older than uh, we did when we were that age. Really? Yeah. They're yeah. They're, they're pumping them full of uh, adrenaline and shit. And yeah. I mean, I mean they're, they're, they're like the chickens that you pump full of hormones. Oh, yeah. 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 Chickens are these kids look old, around. man. These kids are looking pretty you, old. What do you think that, why it, do you think they're doing that? It's you a think, 5G. It's a 5G. You think it's a 5G? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a 5G. Stay away from the iPhone 20. Well, um, I think that it's because they're trying to breed like them into becoming a superhuman species. You think so? Yeah, that's my that's my I'm, I'm not even I'm going to like put the brakes on that right Gen there. I'm not yeah. trying to like spread. I, I, I just have this. I had this like crazy vision where I fast forwarded and it's like this clip gets taken out of context. I'm like, I'm oh, literally shit. joking about that. But, yeah. but no one's going to take it out of context because no one listens. You know what I mean? Well, you never know. know what I'm saying. You know, shout out to whoever is listening. Trey, what's up? What's up, Trey? Amy, what's up? (laughs) Um, No, uh, Vince, that's, I mean, I guess that's about, that about wraps it up. I know. Is there anything else you want to, you want to touch on? Uh, Hmm. I'd say, damn, you got to let me think about this one. I want to hear about your time at Starkist. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I used to work. Oh, you remember that used to be one of my clients. Yeah. Charlie the Tuna. Charlie the Tuna. Uh, What do you want to know specifically? Anything? I just want to know what it was like being Charlie the Tuna. Oh. Got it. All right. So taking a step back, um, one of my 
at the second agency I used to work at, that was my primary client, which was Starkest Tuna, which was uh, based out of old Pittsburgh. And uh, my job there was to kind of like help uh, brand the company and their content on social media okay. and kind of like use different platforms to like communicate their messaging and what they're about and their new products. Right. And part of that initiative was creating a Charlie the Tuna persona on Twitter. <laughs> and if y'all remember back then, 2013, 2014, 2015, that's when like all these big food brands were like having their own voices on Twitter and it was cheeky and it was funny. So I remember I had to do research on the character and there was actually a historian slash archive archivist. I think that's how you say the name. Um, I'll just go with historian who knew all about Charter the Tuna. Damn. And we would have conference calls and he would educate me on those calls with the other executives on how Charlie the Tuna talked. Charlie the Tuna history. 101. Yeah, like what he would say, what he wouldn't say. And um, it was pretty funny because I'm like this whole time I'm on this call and I'm like, wow, I'm actually like getting educated on how to speak like Charlie the motherfucking tuna. What, what kind of things would he say versus what he wouldn't say? <laughs> That's true, actually. Yeah, I'm kind of interested uh, in that. He, from what I remember, he was like, they would call him the original hipster. Which wow. The original <laughs> Based hip on what? Yeah. <laughs> the original hipster meaning like a beatnik, like. In okay. the 50s, yeah. he would like he have a have cigarette. Hat, right? Yeah, the little beret, the little sunglasses yeah. with the leather jacket. Yeah. Say, hey, kid, like, what like, you doing? Uh, I didn't know Charlie was about. a fucking hippie. Oh, my God. Charlie's not a hippie. He's a hipster. He's, oh, my bad. He's like train he's hopping, doing acid, that kind of shit. Yeah. Damn. You know what I mean? Like the Fonz. Like, he was kind of like the Fonz oh, a little okay. bit. Well, well I don't know cool. if the Fonz is a hipster, but yeah. You know, leather jacket, hair back, you know, kind of like No, that's a greaser. That's not a hipster. That's I not don't know. That's, I'm just going by what they I told wonder, me. Yo, I wonder if the, how the historian would feel if he heard you describe Charlie oh, the Tuna God. as a greaser. Wow. Look at that. You're having flashbacks. I can yeah, see you having PTSD flashbacks. Luckily, I freelance and I make my own money now. There you anyway, go. Um, yeah, so I mean, it was a, it was funny, you know, but a lot of times on Twitter and like on those platforms, people would just either praise the product or they would just complain that they found like bones in their Oh, yeah. Tuna, yeah, you yeah. And you'd be like, yeah, so. dude, it happens. Fish have bones. Deal with it. That's <laughs> yeah. what I would say. Be cool, man. Should I just be Charlie the Tuna, dude? Yeah. Yo, I'm about to roll a, roll a, a left-handed cigarette if you guys want one. I feel like, I don't know, I'm trying to talk like a hipster from the 50s. A little 50s. tuna roll. No, a little tuna roll. Hey. Hey, talking man. Talking about a fucking tuna roll. Yeah. So, I mean, unique experience in the sense that, you know, when you say it's just super hard to think of, right? Like, how do you market tuna fish on social media? Yeah, that's insane. And that was like the big, <laughs> that's so silly. That was the big problem I had every day at work. It's like, how do I market this product? But, it, you know, it just came down to like researching the audience and the product and saying, oh, like tuna fish is actually in line with people who eat healthy and have healthy lifestyles. Yeah. And that opened up the whole can of worms or can of tuna. Of creating content like, like, you know, like people who are into yoga or bodybuilders or like lifestyle fitness people and then making the content for them because they're the ones who like actually would promote and share like, oh, I had this tuna pouch today at the gym. Like those are the people that we wanted on social media. So it, it just, was a learning experience. It just seems like a lot. It seems like a lot of... Uh a lot because you have to just it takes up a lot of your life because you have to like dedicate your life to it like yeah you, you wake have to get up, in the charlie mindset yeah you got to be charlie you wake up tuna you go to bed tuna facts. everything's tuna you know facts like did, did you eat a lot of tuna when you worked there uh so they were promoting the tuna pouches 
I forgot what they were called. Um, so I would like take some home. Like they had like samples. Okay. And I remember when I left the job, I had a bunch on my, I don't know if you ever visited my apartment when I did have, uh-huh. I had like stacks of pouches. And every time friends would come over, I would either give them, I forgot what other accounts I was working on, but either stuff like that, or I would give them tuna pouches. Yeah. That's oh, I mean, like a welcome. I was going to yeah, say, yeah, Chris, Chris, Chris is angling. Yo, Chris yeah, is yeah. angling to fucking get on the Starkist account right now, bro. I can see it in your eyes. You're like, how do I, oh, you got tuna? You can yeah, take it home? Huh, how do I get tuna. on that shit? How do I get on that yeah, shit? Yeah, Big fan so. of tuna. You know what throws me off though, is that Charlie the Tuna is out here promoting people to eat himself that's so fucked up that's a little fucked up something that a lot of people on twitter said he said hey uh how do you feel about people eating your friends and the deflection was like oh like i forgot what the deflection was it was years ago but i mean great client you know not not say look if they're my current friends i don't make tuna out of them (laughs) only people who wronged me (laughs) i want you to eat my enemies that's it enemies only this is enemies only tuna yeah um dude uh I I don't know. Like to me, like I said, like getting into the tuna mindset every day, I couldn't, it's, I wouldn't be able to tune up for it. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't do it. I didn't even mean it like that. But I honestly wouldn't. Like I'd be like, nah. Like to me, what I love about what, what we do and being in post and not being on the agency side of things, you're not given like, I mean, I guess we have like accounts, so to speak, but everything is a new adventure. It's all beautiful. It's a new adventure. Yeah, man. It's so nice. You know, it's, it's, it's such a new adventure. One week it's this soccer video. The next week it's another soccer video, another soccer video, new soccer video. Sometimes it's a sneaker video. 13 episodes about sneakers. Then it's another soccer video. Yeah. But no, but honestly, like it is different. It is different. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. cause you could be on the tuna thing for fucking four years. Mm-hmm. I'm not about to be on a tuna thing for, I was four on years. That for about a year. Damn, and yeah. uh, speaking of which, uh, another thing that came to mind uh, as we're talking about this. So in terms of barriers of entry, one thing that I've been noticing, you know, freelancing for the past year is that a lot of times when you are in advertising marketing and, you know, I was in strategy. So like a lot of media planning, a lot of research is involved. So there's a lot of soft skills, right? When it comes to that type of work, you know, you're- What does that mean? Soft skills, meaning people hire you based on how you think and what you think about and how you put that into play. So it's like, is this person cool? And do they, do they like, will they vibe with what we're like with the idea of the brand? Corporate culture wise? Yes. But in terms of like, do you understand marketing, right? Like, do you understand how people are attracted to products? What makes them tick? More conceptual than than physical skills. So, and that's the thing, the barrier of entry I'm, I'm experiencing now with, with freelancing in, in video is that I was only hired based on soft skills, right? I was never really hired for hard skills and hard skills that I'm seeing here. It's like, okay, knowing the programs in yeah, and out, okay. knowing so shortcuts, the camera, different ways to um, your camera settings, like everything is all yeah, hardware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, it's such a different way of thinking when it comes to work because now I ha- it's like, okay, people are hiring me based on my end product, not on the research before the product would go out. So it's like memorizing shortcuts, memorizing every single thing about Premiere, mm-hmm. if things go wrong, as everything that we've been doing here. And that's why I think this position and helping y'all out has been really beneficial for me because I'm learning stuff on the, on the run, right? Like I'm learning new yeah. shortcuts all the time. Whereas marketing and advertising, like 
a lot of the things that you do, you learn from school mm-hmm. or you learn from like research papers and blogs and t- talking to colleagues or here. It's like I could literally train myself on YouTube all day and yep. be just 100%. as efficient. Yeah. Um, and those are the barrier entries that I'm, I'm finding now. It's like the technical stuff. And I know in time that'll happen because, you know, it really just takes discipline and learning and fucking up, you know, a lot. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's a barrier and it's something that I'm going through right now and kind of still I'm, going through it. I'm trying to do the opposite. I'm trying to f- yeah. figure out the 100%, 100%. opposite. We're like, I know all the, the hard skills as you call them, like the shortcuts and the, all that shit. I know that, but like, I also am, I'm like a bucking Bronco, dude. You yeah. get me? Like, yeah, I'm out here, man. Like if a producer tries to rein me in and they're like, yo, do what I say. I'm a bucking Bronco, dude. Yeah. I need my room. I need my independence. And then, you know, but that's kind of the skill, right? That That's that's something I can bring to the table is that like I, if you just give me independence and a little <laughs> bit of room, I can actually make something where I can take all the steps myself and bring my own flavor to it. Problem is. A lot of people don't want that. A lot of people want, if you're an editor, you're supposed to follow my yep. notes, which is why I'm like, I don't ever market myself as an editor anymore. Now I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I like to say creative director. I personally creative. don't think I've gotten that far. I think if I am a creative director, I'm a pretty shitty one right now, but give me a couple of years. I'll probably be decent. You know what I'm saying? I think you direct things and you do it creatively and you're a creative director for yeah. your own company. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Facts. Yeah. You could be what you want. I can be what I want. Titles. Chris is out here. He's a lead editor, senior editor. Yeah. Senior head editor. Head of post-production. Oh, nah, I, I wouldn't know. go that far. No, I think I'm just, I, I really am just an editor. Like I, I, I'm trying to, to improve my creative chops, but ultimately I'm, I'm just, very technical and i think the technical part is a whole lot easier than the creative part the technical part you can just learn and memorize and practice it over time the creative part you really have to challenge yourself and and try to create things that you wouldn't normally do i i i think speaking as someone who's known you i think that you are actually really good at the creative part i just don't think that you've done it for such a long time that it's like trying to i don't even know i can, i don't have like it's think uh, to me it's like uh think about a mm, like a bicycle bicycle yeah and turn the pedals in a minute they might you leave it outside it gets a little rusty yeah, but little once bit. you turn the pedals you shake the rust off the bicycle gets going you know what i mean yeah i think you just got a rusty old bicycle oh, I'm, i am a rusty old bicycle you, <laughs> you know you're the rusty bicycle man no but really I, th- I actually think that you do you are like a really creative person and you you have that creative stuff it's just that i think maybe i can't speak to i can't describe creative uh endeavors kind of like i can't yeah. speak about concepts and, and creativity i'm struggling even now to it, do it. it i feel like it's a bunch of like straight up it's a bunch of bullshit like all you got to do is bullshit well, it's, fair enough fair enough. i mean yeah Yes, you and gotta no, be able because to back your shit there's up. other there's other creatives out there who could smell the bullshit, you know, like they could be like, all right, this is not that creative and cool. Yeah, well, I mean, splashes of as color long, as long as oh, please. No, as long <laughs> as those people aren't the as long as those people aren't the client. You yeah, know what yeah, I that's mean? true. That's very true. That but, make the client happy. I don't know. I would love to fucking just like this is why I'm excited about that thing that I was talking about earlier, that thing for uh, the game day that we might have, who knows, by the, by the time this comes out with this project may have fallen through, yeah. but it's the potential to write that uh, NFL series, right? It's like, okay, I don't really fuck with football like that. And, and like, yeah, I haven't watched it in a long time, but if I have the opportunity to write 
the show and direct and like be the person making the whole show. Yeah, I'd love to fucking do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking shit. Give me a give me a show about cigarettes and I'll do it. You know what I mean? I'll I'll make a, a whole show. Yeah, give me some characters, you know, Julie the Jewel, and it just walks around like trying to smoke a jewel. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I, I'll make that. Yeah, and I think going back to talking about your the ethical barrier that you feel is there yeah. with the NFL. Like, I think that if you find a way to tell the story that you want to tell, then you can kind of break that barrier. Like, I don't think that it's it's black and white. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, that's the whole reason that I was like stoked to take it. You know what I mean? Like, and also because it seems like we'll have a fair bit of creative freedom. And that's really what it boils down to is it's like, Hey, here's an opportunity to make your own show. Here's an opportunity to write every episode to come up with the look of the show. And like, it's yours. And then you can say, we made this from, uh, as they say, soup to nuts. We made this soup to nuts, soup to nuts. Question uh, for both of you. Uh, what do you uh, see as the biggest barrier of entry for becoming a full fledged editor? There's uh, the wall that they're building. <laughs> No, I don't know. Uh, Barrier to entry for becoming a full-fledged editor? I don't know. Chris, you go first. What do you got? Man, I I think it's really just a combination of actually being able to edit, just even a a basic edit, and then who you know. Like, it really is that, I think. Because the only reason I have a job here is because I grew up with Alexi. Like, I even the first, when I first moved to New York, the first job I got was through Alexi. I was still living in a hotel and Alexi. Oh, you were living in that hotel. I was living in a hotel and Alexi, (laughs) this was like my second week here. And he was like, Hey, I can't take this job. I'm booked, but do you want it? And so I was referred and you know, that. That's how that relationship started. And honestly, that was the boom shot. That was boom shot. Yeah. And and one of the producers there actually reached out a couple months ago to see if we could do do a project uh, for a major company. We signed an NDA, so I can't say who. Wow. Good. Hey, good good thing you pay attention to those. Yeah. yeah. I'd have us in tons of legal shit right now. Yeah. Because they're totally listening right now. Wait. Well, didn't I did sign an NDA about something? Whatever, keep 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 going. I don't know. Yeah, I, well, I, I mean, the, the, the point is, we we weren't able to take on that project because we were booked. But you know, that relationship was formed, and that's really once you get your foot in the door with a producer who likes working with you and and knows your skill set. That's really all you need, I think. That is facts. I agree with that. Um, I think the biggest barrier to entry is. Yeah, I think it's that. I think it's relationships, you know, because the programs, you can learn them. Everything else you can learn. The biggest barrier to entry for editing is relationships. It's and and I think that's actually doubled because the people who tend to get into editing and into post-production aren't normally people who. And yeah, sorry, all you. Sorry, all my editor friends out here, but are probably not very good socially. Yeah, (laughs) like generally editors are not good socially. Like that's why they like to sit in a in a room and chill and like do their own thing all day listen to music listen to podcasts edit like do whatever like be on their own because they're pretty solitary you know what i mean and when you get a bunch of editors together it can be weird but also they can click but like generally if if editors are among the general populace they probably aren't gonna you know, they might not vibe that well. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, editors are quiet people. A lot t- of typically. the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, but that's Very that, cerebral. I think that you have that that advantage because you're coming from the, the marketing side. So you know already how to talk to people. You know what I mean? I think that's the hardest part is building the network and having that 
outgoing energy. Well, especially like recently because of COVID and because gatherings aren't the same, a lot of work is coming from people who like they, they need work done, but they can't find new people. It's very difficult to find new people. So you rely on the people you know already. Yeah. They have a a project and they need cuts now. (laughs) Call call Shishkin Productions. 877 cuts now. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's all interesting. I I think. Yeah, bring us back, Vince. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, let's just end it there. (laughs) I'm going to put music under that. Sizzle roll gang. Sizzle roll gang. Um, yeah, the, the biggest barrier of entry that I'm seeing, not really for me, but for others. Cause you know, I, I meet people all the time. Oh, I want to do video too. I want to shoot. I want to edit. You have people DMing you and shit probably. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I want to learn from you. I want to PA with you, blah, blah. And I think for them or this new wave of content creators is discipline, right? All these kids, they see all these videos and they think it takes like a minute to do, right? They don't understand the work, the energy it takes, the hours it takes. They don't understand that you have to organize your clips. They think it takes a minute, but in reality, it takes a minute. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. that worked really good. I read that on a fortune cookie, bro. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's discipline, right? A lot of these kids, they, they want to make the cool videos, but they don't know the work behind it. And they expect it to happen fast because they see so much content out there in the wild. Um, so I think as long as these new kids have the discipline and they actually like watch the tutorials and they practice their craft, they'll be okay. But there's so many kids out there that are coming in and they think it's just easy as hell. And that's why a lot of these people want to charge low and that goes into another subject, but yeah, that's the whole, I mean, that's the story of, yeah. of the industry period. You know what I mean? I would, I mean, frankly, I would say that, you know, I, I, I consider us like a, a professional company, like a, yeah. like a low to mid level post house, like a small indie, but we're like slowly we getting work on real stuff. We work on real stuff. But even if you talk to the people who are in our ballpark in terms of like the types of stuff we get, they would probably be pissed at us. They'd probably think that we work for too cheap a lot of the time, but it's, I mean, you got to start somewhere. I try not to work too cheap, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but you do got to start somewhere. Yeah, That's well, why. We just talked about being unpaid interns. Like mm-hmm. you got to gradually I think climb we, the ladder. Yeah, you know what? I think we all went from the unpaid internship level, right? Yeah, we all I don't think we had paid. a choice. Yeah. <laughs> What's facts? I mean, you could, if you know, if you could play your cards right, maybe, but nowadays it's probably easier to get a paid internship, right? Uh, I think they're fighting for it way more and we'll see once um, the pandemic is over to see how people react. I think there's going to be interesting to see what the new barriers of entry are going to be, you know, racially and when it comes to money, because, you know, a lot of brands are putting a lot of talk behind their messaging saying, hey, we're racially inclusive and we don't believe in uh, unpaid internships anymore and blah, blah, blah. So we'll really see like. If they were really about their life when office life comes and back. I you know that we just, we all just voted like last week. So I think oh, the yeah. election this month is going to be crucial to that. Like it's going to determine, you know, the future of, uh, of, of the industry in, in that regard. But, you know, any interns who are out there who have gotten to, uh, I don't know where we're at right now, minute uh, 62 or something hey. of this podcast. Any Interns who are out there listening, potential interns, you're like, damn, I want to get a paid internship in New York doing post-production stuff. Dude, 
send your send your reel and your resume you probably don't have a reel send your resume just keep, hit us up yeah jobs at shishkinproductions.com follow us on tiktok and just leave a comment saying i want to intern there and then we'll get it sorted we'll figure it out because we pay we got paid internships yeah you know we'll, I mean? we'll even buy your lunch we'll, yeah, maybe well we will buy your lunch i mean part of your job might be riding a bike to laguardia to drop off a hard drive <laughs> but you know what i mean a lot of another part of your job will be chilling and doing whatever you want and helping us out so i'm learning good guys that's about it for today vince thank you for joining us this is the first guest we had it was a pretty fruitful occasion i think vince might come on a few more times you know what i mean make be a recurring guest yeah we gotta have you back yeah thanks for having me y'all i appreciate it and uh yeah always happy talking the talk yo let me give you a note that's what we should do we should give our guests notes right at the end all right this is my note it's a positive note i think you do a really good job of not talking over people that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my note. You got a note for Vince? No, I, I think it was I think it was great. You're a natural talker and you, you helped the flow of, of the conversation a whole lot and gave us a new perspective. I love this. This is going to be a recurring segment. We got to give our guests one note each at the end. That's one hilarious. That's fucking hilarious. I'll take it. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. If you want, um, follow us on social media. It's at Sizzle Real Gang. If you want to follow the company on uh, TikTok, it's Shishkin Productions. Um, and other than that, I mean, I don't really have much else to say, except maybe uh, we'll catch you next week. Hey. Okay. Oh, see okay. you later. Later. Bye. Bye.